Welcome to Millennial Money Minutes, where we tackle tough personal finance topics in five minutes or less. With your host, Grant from MillennialMoney.com and Matt from DistilledDollar.com. All right, welcome everyone. Today I'm really excited to be introducing Brandon from MadFiantist.com. Uh, Fiantist has FI in the beginning because Brandon reached uh, financial independence in his early 30s. Uh, he's the second blogger I discovered and probably the best writer on tax optimization that I know of, um, especially in that financial independence and early retirement uh, space. So yeah, first thing, Brandon, thanks for uh, joining and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. Cool. Um, so I know you recently just traveled uh, three months around the globe. Uh, do you, uh, are you interested in, or, uh, or can you share with us some of the tra- uh, travel hacks that you used? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, we uh, we just went all the way around, um, and I think every flight besides two of them was booked with miles. So it ended up being I think we spent like nine hundred and seventy bucks or something for each of us to travel to I think fourteen countries on uh, four different continents. And yeah, it was it was it was great. Um, it was a lot of fun, and yeah, it didn't end up costing that much, which is fantastic so um so yeah i used a couple like really good sweet spots i uh, used uh, a united sweet spot to get down to from mexico to central and south america um and that was like only twenty thousand miles round trip and we got to stop in a lot of different places so we flew from mexico city to like bogota colombia and spent uh just an overnight there and then we went to cusco peru which is a really expensive flight to get there, but it was you know all within the miles, which was great. Um, got to see Machu Picchu and things like that, and then we went to Ecuador. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a uh, <laughs> it was a good awesome. flight. It sounds like a, gr- a lot of great travel there. Um, so so it seems like with all of your work, there's a big focus on efficiency. Same thing with these travel hacks. Um, has that been um, present in your approach to financial independence from day one, or is that something that sort of evolved over time you know this push for more efficiency oh i think i i think that's been there from day one and it just it's in every aspect of my life really um i i think that's why uh software development was like perfect for me as a career because efficiency and optimizing code and making you know making it do the same thing but with the least amount of code and you know the most efficient code um so yeah, I, I, that's that's just been in my life for everything, um, and I, it drives my wife crazy sometimes. <laughs> I think because like like I really like freak out and have to like have everything be the, like the most efficient route or the most efficient, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, I just want to go for a walk and enjoy myself, <laughs> and I'm just like, no, if we we have to do everything in this order so that it's the most efficient way of doing it. And uh, but yeah, so yeah, I think that's. Uh, a character flaw or uh, <laughs> or something uh I, I think it's a good thing but yeah it could be considered a, maybe a character flaw so what are the three things a lot of our listeners are just getting started on their financial independence journey um in some cases many of them have just heard about the idea of financial independence for the first time um what are the three uh areas of focus that you recommend for anyone starting their financial independence journey Sure. Um, the first thing is just to figure out what makes you happy, um, which seems easy, but it's actually really hard and it takes a lot of work and you just always constantly have to work at it just to figure out what it is that actually makes you happiest. Um, I think a lot of times people, especially when they're starting out, they just do what everybody else does. 
so we did the same thing. Like as soon as we graduated, I graduated from college and then moved to Scotland because that's where my wife, she's Scottish and she was living there. So as soon as I graduated, I moved over there and then it was like, all right, well, you know, we're adults now. So now we first thing you have to do is buy a house. So we bought a house and, you know, it was it was good. But now I've realized that owning a house doesn't make me happy. I don't like doing all the stuff that you have to do when you own a house. Uh, I don't like all the variable expenses. I don't like being trapped in a particular place. Um, so now we're in our mid thirties and we rent a furnished apartment. So that's not what society tells you you should do. Um, but it is what makes us happiest. So I think that's a huge thing is just trying to figure out what makes you happy. Um, because now it just feels like I can, I can spend unlimited amounts of money on everything because I've, you know, figured out exactly what those things are that make me happiest. And now I can just spend freely on them without worrying about it. So, um, so that's the first thing. Uh, second thing is probably to focus on what you can control. Um, I know people get really stressed out when the market does stuff and all this sort of stuff with investing. And, um, if you just focus on what you can control, you can optimize that. And then, you'll be okay no matter what's happening that, you know, outside of your circle of control. So, so like, for instance, like fees, like fees really can take hundreds of thousands of dollars off of your portfolio over your investing lifetime. So, uh, if you can minimize those, which you can, cause that's in your control. So that's the first thing to focus on. So, you know, like just invest in like low cost index funds or something. Um, you can lower your risk by diversifying your assets. So you can, you know, by the total stock market index fund and that has low fees and it lets you invest in the entire market. Um, taxes are also something you can control, uh, which is something I wrote a lot about over the years. So like just the simple act of contributing to tax advantage accounts will let you lower your taxes every year, which then can be invested and compound and you know, that'll end up earning you another extra, you know, hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars by the end of your career. So, um, what else? Like your brain as well. Like take your brain out of it. Um, there's so many like biases and things with investor psychology that just sabotage your your investing. So just take your brain out of it as much as possible and just automate everything and then just let it sit on autopilot and one day you'll you'll be rich. <laughs> so if you don't, if you don't mind me piggybacking off that last question, I, I heard recently you had um you know you had too much cash on hand. So were you able to uh, end up investing that, or are you still sitting on some cash? I'm, I'm sitting on too much cash, but yes, I did uh, end up investing it, which uh, I was just chatting to the Choose FI guys, the podcast, and I was talking about how this is still something that's I struggle with to this day is trying to, yeah, sitting on too much cash, waiting for the perfect time to invest. And that's because my taxable funds don't have, they're not automated. Um, all my retirement accounts were always automated, so it was not an issue. And then I automated my taxable accounts and then I just stopped it like uh, sometime last year or something and I haven't got it back. So, yeah, so this is me. Do do as I say, not as I do, because I'm still that's still my biggest struggle. And that's that's and that goes back to the whole stupid brain thing. Like your brain is just trying to sabotage you because you think you know better, but you don't. You, nobody can predict the market where it's going. But yet my stupid brain is still stopping me from doing it. So I have more cash than I should. Yeah. Um, so. So Absolutely. I'm glad you pointed that out because yeah, <laughs> it's still uh, it's still something I struggle with. So, so now that you uh, live internationally, um, do you invest outside the U.S. as well? 
Um, so all my money is in the States. Um, so I still just invest in the States, but I invest in international funds. So I, that was what I actually just uh, bumped up my percentage. I wanted to get up to 15% international uh, funds. So I have you know, the majority of my money in the total stock market index fund. And now I just got up to 15% for the total international stock market index fund. So, but yeah, I'll, I, um, I'm not earning British pounds or anything. So all my, all my money's in the States. That's great. Yeah. I would say, um, those are some great points earlier too, you know, what makes us happy and, uh, especially focusing on things we can control like fees or in some degree taxes. Um, so do you, cause it, I think from uh, from having you know viewed some of your posts in the past, it sounds like your investment approach wasn't always the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index. Um, so, you know, what led you to change your approach? And um, do you think you're you're 100 percent set on you know the Total Stock Market Index for the for, for the next couple of years, or do you think you might kind of adapt again? Yeah, yeah. So um, when I started Matt Feintist, it was like the whole point for starting it was to prompt me to do the research I knew that I could do to get to financial independence quicker. So my first line of thinking was like, all right, well, what can I optimize first? And it was like, well, I'll optimize investing. You know, if I become a really good investor, that'll help me get there quicker. Um, and that's when I did all the research that really just showed me that my efforts are spent somewhere else. Like the passive index investing approach um, is much more higher probability of being successful than any other sort of approach. So that's when I started then moving into other areas to optimize like taxes and things like that. So, um, so yeah, no, I'm completely happy with it. I'm, I still feel like I want to invest in real estate just cause it, I don't know. There's something about having something that you can actually sleep in if you need to. <laughs> um, yeah. but I've owned two houses. My wife and I have owned two houses in our lives and I've never been so stressed. Like, during the buying and selling of those and all the just dealing with them. So she always talks me out of it, which is quite right, I think. Um, but maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll invest in a little rental property or something. But but no, yeah, right now I'm just completely happy with the the low stress and no work aspect of just passive investing. So how, in your opinion, how how possible is financial independence? I think, you know, a lot of people read uh, you know, your blog, listen to your podcast, read our blogs. And the big question I always get is, you know, congrats that you did it, but this just doesn't seem like it's possible for me. Can you talk a little bit about how it either is more accessible or maybe isn't as accessible to some people? Sure. Yeah, no, it, it's in the States, particularly, it's super accessible. Obviously, wages there much higher. Um, than the rest of the world, um, especially like comparing it to the UK, like my wife's making half of what she made in the States. And if I was working, I would be making less than half. Um, and yet the costs are, are higher. So there's definitely places in the world where it's more difficult just based on the simple math of it. But um, but yeah, I, I think it's extremely accessible. If you just change your perspective, like you really need to you need you really need to want it is is what it comes down to. Like like when I realized it was possible, like that's all I wanted. Like I, I wasn't a very big consumer to begin with. I was always frugal and I didn't care about cars and didn't need a fancy house and all that sort of stuff. So for me, it was maybe a lot easier than most if you, if you are in that consumer lifestyle. But, um, but yeah, when you realize what you really want, 
and for me that was freedom, um, then it's easy to cut out all the other garbage because it's that's, at the end of the day it is just garbage. It's not um, a lot of the stuff may give you a temporary boost in happiness, but it doesn't give you lasting happiness. Um, so, so yeah, I think in the States it's, it's quite attainable for most of the population. If you just are happy to do something different, um, and go against the grain a bit because there's so much waste, uh, in the States as far as money spending, um, and consumption. So if you just get to a reasonable level, which, we find the more we cut out, the happier we become, which is, I think, what a lot of people find out. Um, but just nobody in America is willing to do that, so they never, they never come to that realization. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did something similar this, at the end of last year with the 90-day frugality challenge, and yeah, oddly enough, afterwards we were, ha- I think, we were ha- much happier afterwards. Uh, so it's funny how that works. So, uh, so when you were saving a lot, because it sounds like you know you were just eager to build up capital and build up an investment portfolio. So when you were saving a lot, what were like the big um, chunks out of your budget that you were able to cut out um, and further than, you know, allow yourself to invest more? Yeah, we um, I, this is a, this is another word of caution as well. Like um, I definitely went too crazy with it. Um, so I like I said, I was already frugal and we had already had good size savings and we we're probably, you know, for our age group, we're well ahead of everyone else because we didn't have any debt besides a mortgage and we didn't have like fancy cars or any of that stuff. So we were, we were fine on that, uh, like comparison level, I guess. But, um, but then I went like really crazy. Like I was like, all right, this is, this is exactly what I've been saving for. I just didn't know it. And now that I know it, it's like, all right, let's go into hyperdrive and just save everything. Um, and at the time we were living in the woods of Vermont and uh just like pretty isolated we were like 45 minutes from anything that we actually would want to do or any people we'd want to see and uh and at the time i was getting a free uh master's degree because i I got a job at a university because i always thought i'd want to go back to grad school um but i didn't want to pay for it obviously knowing that i was that was probably my last job and i didn't want to you know i didn't need it for a resume boost or anything like that so um so anyway, I was really busy and this is when my finances was starting to take off and, um, and yeah, just really isolated myself and then which, uh, obviously isolated my wife as well cause she's Scottish and didn't have loads of friends and family around anyway. So, um, so yeah, for like two years we probably, yeah, weren't happy at all. Um, just because we had cut out so much and I was like, why, why would I spend money when I could just stay home and, you know, get homework done or do mad scientists research or something like that. So, um, so that, so we cut out a lot, which we cut out way too much and got into the deprivation stage. Um, but besides that, like every, all the big things were pretty good. Like we, our house, I think our mortgage was like five ninety or something. It was really, you know, small. It was a, it was, yeah, it was like Vermont's a low cost of living area. Um, and we had just two old, uh, used cars and stuff. So it was, it was really optimized, but yeah, we went too far into the in deprivation zone and stopped spending money on things that did make us happy, which is definitely something you need to look out for. Uh, if you're really serious about getting to financial independence. Yeah. I think a lot of, uh, people view FI as just super extreme, right? Just the narrative around it is, is like 
cut, you know, you have to be incredibly frugal and cut everything out. And I think, you know, one of the things Matt and I both strive to do is just try to make the concepts a little bit more accessible and that people's lives can be richer and they can, you know, reach financial independence sooner without having to be super extreme. Um, I'd love to hear, you know, just in, in listening to you, it sounds like, you know, your, your wife is, 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 is kind of the perfect counterbalance to <laughs> yeah. your, your level of intensity. And, and my wife's uh, really, really the same. You know, she, she could give two hoots about uh, financial independence and FI, and she's the one who's like, hey, come on, we got we to gotta live a little here. Um, how, how inspirational and, and uh, you know, has, has your wife been, it sounds like, in, in, in not only helping you, you know, perhaps save and reach financial independence, but just live a richer life in general? Yeah, no, she's a perfect counterbalance um, and definitely mellows me out and to, a, to a healthy, sustainable level rather than an extreme level. Um, so, yeah, no, that's been great. And we've we met my junior year of college back in 20, 2002. So we've been we've been together a long time um, and we always just kept our finances separate because some of the times we were on separate continents and you know it just made sense and then that worked for us because we both earned the same amount and at the time she was a big spender whereas I was a big saver um and it just it just worked so that's continued um but we've sort of met more in the middle now um she's balanced me out made me realize that you know it is worth spending a lot on the things that make you happy um and figuring out what makes you happy and then spending freely on that um but then I've also shown her that, you know, like all the stuff that we both probably thought makes people happy before, it doesn't actually make them happy. So so she's like she's probably more hardcore than I am now, like with the savings, because um, which is a big surprise, because, yeah, she was she was the opposite end of the spectrum early in our relationship. Um, so, yeah, we're sort of we've sort of crossed in the middle. Like now I feel like now that I've hit my goal and I'm free, like I feel completely relaxed and it's like, all right, yeah, you know, the money is fine. It's not, it's not an issue. Um, so I'm spending a lot more freely and where she's just like, no, we could cut back more if we, you know, this, we don't need this. It doesn't, you know, add to our lives in any way. So, so yeah, it's been, it's been great. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's a gr- she wrote, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was gonna say, no, it's a great point. And especially when it comes to money, I mean, people, it's already tricky enough. And then you add in, you know, the emotional layers and our misjudgments. And then you add in on top of all that, you know, another person. So, you know, <laughs> It's just, yeah, it can be, it can be definitely tricky and it sounds like you guys found a good match over time. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, say like we've had some really terrible comments like, oh, you keep separate finances, you, your, your marriage is doomed and all these things. And it's just like, well, that doesn't make any sense because it's, it just works for us and it's been great so far. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's been fantastic and it definitely saved a lot of fights during the, uh, my saving days. So. So what's financial independence like for you? Because I think, uh, you know, another question we get a lot, because I'm 30 and I are 31 now, and um, I've reached financial independence also, and I'm more busy than I ever have been, right? It's one of the, it's, I didn't reach it and then stop. I reached, I reached it and then the pressure, as you mentioned, kind of dissipated, and I not only felt like I could live more of a life of purpose and passion, um, but you know, I'm even more excited to pursue projects where I don't have to, you know, money doesn't have to be the byproduct. And can you talk a little bit about, you know, what, what have you been doing since you uh, hit financial independence? And is your life busier or less busy? And um, how, how do you view your life now? Yeah, I completely agree. I um, 
my so obviously the three month trip that we kicked off everything with was very different and that was you know that was really fun but since we've been back we we got back just before christmas so now we're in march and so i've had a good couple of months to really figure out normal life now which has been fantastic so when we first got back like my wife was actually really worried about me because i'm usually a great sleeper and uh but when we got back, like for the first few weeks, like I kept getting up in the middle of the night and just like going back into the living room and stuff. And uh, one one morning she's like, you know, I'm, I'm really worried about it. why can't you sleep? And it was literally because I was so excited about all the stuff that I now had like unlimited time to pursue and to work on. Like I couldn't I couldn't fall asleep like every like I used to going to bed was always sad when I was working because I was like, oh, no, next thing I know, I'll be at work. Whereas now going to bed is so sad because I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to stop. I just want to keep doing all this stuff that I'm doing. So, um, so yeah, I completely agree. It's been super busy, um, but super productive. Like I'm, I'm able to get all these things done that I would have had to like really struggle to get done before. Cause I would be juggling my job and commuting and all this other stuff. And now it's just like, I can get all that done and then I can relax. So I'm, more productive getting more done but then i'm also like more present when i'm just like relaxing like if we go and see my wife's parents over the weekend or something like i used to always bring my laptop and now i just leave it at home because it's like well you know this is the weekend so now i can just relax and i got all this other stuff done during the week and so yeah it's 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 been fantastic it's uh yeah, just so excited to wake up every morning. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, you two are all both, you know, being all FI and all happy and everything. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll be working away for a little bit while longer. Um, so yeah, so I guess to wrap it up, um, you know, what's what's you know what's next for for Mad Scientist? What's on the horizon, and what can people expect if they check out your stuff? Yeah, and I'd like to add a second part to that question, um, just because you know Matt and I are, are are newer bloggers compared to you, but you know our audience is growing and. Um, I just love your thoughts on just, you know, there's just such a level of responsibility that we're feeling just given the growing audience and um, not that there's pressure there, right? But that there's kind of a responsibility just to, to put out good content and to share good ideas and to kind of curate the communities that we've been gathering. And I'd love as a second part to Matt's question, um, is that something you feel as well or is it just straight joy and love? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, um, for the future of Mad Scientist, um, focusing right now, uh, on writing software for, for the site, like Sweet. as I'm a software developer was my career and I still love software development. Now I love it even more just because I'm the boss and I can make all the decisions and do everything I want. So, um, so yeah, so writing a lot more software for the site, I'm currently doing a big redesign too, cause, um, now the, like the site's making more money than I'm spending on it. So I'm going to get to like remove all ads and all the stuff that I've hated being there, um, which is cool. So I'm going to redesign it so that it's like perfectly easily readable for everyone and no, like, yeah, no distractions, which is going to be cool. Um, I'm also curating my own content. Like I'm going through and trying to make it more easy to consume because I've, the Mad Finds has started in early 2012 and there's a lot of good stuff that's come out over the years that, you know, obviously somebody coming upon the site today is not going to be able to see it easily uh, or even find it. So um, so that's a big focus. And to answer the second part of your question, um, 
it's anytime I put pressure on myself because of how you know successful the sites become, then I just like try to like ignore it and just do what I want to do and do what I feel is right. Um, obviously, yeah, you get a lot more responsibility the more readers you have, um, so you it's really a lot easier to screw up that relationship you've built over the years. So you just have to focus on doing what you think's right and always put your readers in your mind when you're making any sort of decisions like um and that's something i learned from pete mr money mustache who's become a a good friend over the years and i always look to him like like if i if ever i'm conflicted i'm like well i wonder what pete would do in this situation because um and it's always the readers first which like you know like winning awards and stuff it's it's you want to you feel the urge to like share that with your audience but it's like they don't care like they're reading you because they like you and they don't care that you know you've won something so don't even post about it and don't even waste their time so it's sort of like yeah just always keeping them in the forefront of your mind when you're making any sort of decisions and as long as you just keep doing stuff that benefits them uh, above all else then you know you're just going to continue to grow i think uh, yeah, some great advice right there. So thanks again, Brandon, for coming on. Again, Brandon from madfiantist.com. Definitely check out his stuff. Um, and, yeah, Brandon, looking forward to finally meeting you in FinCon and grabbing a beer. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah look forward to seeing you guys in Dallas. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so yeah, much. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Bye. Thanks for listening to Millennial Money Minutes. If you liked this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe. If you want us to cover a specific topic, use hashtag MillennialMoney on Twitter or visit MillennialMoneyMinutes.com.